Chapter 17 Aquamarine Stars Quinn hadn't returned when Penny arrived with dinner. Kyla ate the bread, cheese, and warm salad of sweet potato-like substance and greens. She tried to reach Nax, but the cat wasn't answering. In fact, she seemed farther away than ever. Since she wasn't welcome out among the novitiates and was unwilling to write her assignment for sensual fine, Kyla slept. She awoke to discover night had fallen. The moon was just beginning to haze the trees with silver. The jungle was a riot of noise. She found dinner in the common room, untouched. Apparently, Quinn and John had not returned from their adventures. John, she remembered the blade practice he'd mentioned. Stuffing a hunk of bread in her mouth, she changed into her blouse, trousers, and waistcoat. In minutes, she was out the door and heading south. The paths through the gardens were lit by occasional mercus lights. The night was warm and breezy. The smell of the island was at odds with the tension in the air. Sweet blossoms Kyla couldn't identify shed an intoxicating perfume, and the bugs and frogs' racket was rather nice. The farther she went, the farther she got from the tangle of the jungle. The calls of wildlife were audible but distant, less threatening. John was waiting for her. She came upon him slowly, her footsteps masked by the wind. The canopy of the pole shells was behind her, and she stood in the open beneath a sparkling dome of stars. He was moving through a series of blade forms, motions swift, precise, and smooth. She thought the forms more suited to fighting with a sword, but the fact he held a wooden dagger didn't detract from the display. He danced through the movements, grunting softly when he delivered blows to invisible opponents. His shoes were tumbled at the edge of the patch of light, thrown carelessly aside. Kyla's shoes joined his. You're late he said, without looking at her. He leapt and kicked, then landed in a ready pose, dagger held close to his cheek. Mercus lamps were posted around the spread of grass that would be their practice area. Maws flitted about them, frenzied by their madness for light. Jean went to the side of the patch of grass and plucked up another dagger. He tossed it to her. She caught it. The craftsmanship was excellent, hilt smooth but shaped for a secure grip. The single-edged blade was slender and tapered to a point. It was shaped like cane. It's sharp, she said, thumbing the edge. It could cut paper, a piece of fruit, surely skin. It's a dagger. Compared to cane, it might as well have been a stick, a sharp stick. I hope you didn't spend too much time on this, she said, waving the weapon. It would be an odd sort of punishment to be cut by a dagger of your own making. His eyes gleamed, as if made from chips of the moon. His teeth flashed brighter, reflecting the mercus light. Come, let's play. Kyla adopted the stance Yika had taught her in their single training session atop the warren. By kill, that seems so long ago now. It placed her side on, dagger forward, knees bent. Jian circled to her left. Kyla happily switched her blade to her left hand to show that he would gain no advantage attacking from that side. His smile strengthened. Was he amused by her defensive move because it was good, or because he knew it was a lie? Kyla could no more fight left-handed than she could pick up a boulder with her toes. Jean lunged. A blur. Kyla barely spun in time to avoid a sharp jab at her ribs. 
her wooden blade sliced the air in response. Not so skilled for a shadline, he said, sidestepping. Kyla put her weapon through some flourishes. They were tricks of the eye, once one understood how to perform them, but they had scared off plenty of back-alley street toughs in Starside. Their sparring ground was much closer to the sea than the ward, and the low vegetation between them and the water provided no break for the breeze. Jean's black hair pressed to his scalp on one side, his loose shirt doing the same, outlining his lean lines. Kyla's bare feet pressed the grass as she mirrored Jean's steps, keeping him well out of striking range. She had sparred with Wen back when father still had been alive, two kids squaring off with wooden rods. That hadn't been anything like this. Kyla had left even those crude sessions a bit bruised, but so had Wen. Jean wasn't Wen. He didn't look like him. He didn't move like him. There was a silkiness to his steps, a dancer-like balance to his shoulders, so that they stayed level as he moved. He had been trained by masters. Kyla tried her favorite trick. She charged, fell into a roll, bringing the edge of her blade to his shin. It cut empty air. She rolled up, already twisting. Jean was gone. She looked around. Something thumped softly behind her. His arm wrapped around her, pinning both of hers. His body pressed to her back, and the edge of his wooden knife came to rest against her throat. Very slow. I'm disappointed. Kyla stomped his toes. Jean cried out and his embrace loosened enough that Kyla could drive her elbow into his gut. The wooden edge of his knife dragged across her throat, burning. Had it been steel, she would be dead. Always press your advantage in a fight, father had advised. Kyla wheeled, hilt of her blade already sweeping up to catch a man bent double from a gut blow. But Jean had fallen all the way to the ground. Her blow missed. He swung a leg, catching both of hers and upending her. Her back struck the turf, dislodging a grunt. The shock made her grip release, and the blade fell into the grass. The noise of Garden Island was distant now and Kyla heard only her own moans and Jean's gulps of breath. Her elbow had hurt him. Good. She scrambled for her lost blade. By the time she had collected it and scrambled to her feet, Jean was ready. Get that kill bloody smirk off your face, you blaggardy devil! Now, now, there's no call for obscenity. He lunged. A faint. Kyla didn't react. She now knew that his back foot twisted slightly when he lunged for a true hit. A tell. They returned to circling again. The wind stiffened, bringing the smell of the beach with it. Despite the cooling air, Kyla was sweating. Who taught you to fight? Jean said. A tavern brawler? Kyla threw her blade at him. The point hit his shoulder, but did not sink into his flesh. He charged, swinging his dagger in wide arcs. Kyla ducked and rolled, returning to her favorite move. As soon as she popped to her feet, Jean wrapped her up and pressed his blade to her throat. Is that all you've got? His voice was low and hot in her ear. It's a wonder you've lived to fourteen. Fourteen, Kyla cried. She tried to stomp his feet, but he lifted her off the ground. Grunting and cursing, she tried to drive her heels into his shin. He adjusted his hold. If you let your foes get you like this, you'll die. 
you need to learn true skills instead of relying on tricks. The temptation to drop her Mercus mask and set his ears on fire nearly defeated her, but years of living with Wen had trained her to respect skill when she saw it. There could be no doubt Jean was a superior blade fighter than she, as much as it twisted her gizzard to admit it. That didn't mean she had to tolerate his taunt. I'll have you know I'm at least sixteen, she said archly. She went limp, signaling that she was submitting. This round, anyway. He released her. Before she could square off again, he lightly took her elbow. Hold still. His hand slipped up her wrist, body lightly touching hers. She felt very small, encompassed by him. Twist your forearm out like this when you jab. He guided her through the motion. You are small, so you must extend your reach by using the whole length of your arm and weapon. Slicing with a dagger is silly. His bare foot caught the inside of her forward ankle and shoved it forward. Bend your knee a bit. Yes. When you thrust, the power comes not from your shoulder, but from your hip. His hand touched the outside of her hip. Rotate, back foot planted. Let the earth give you power. He released her and came around to inspect her form. She practiced a few thrusts, quickly discovering how much power she got by rooting her toes into the ground and rotating her hip. His smile faded. That's how you strike. The difficult part is learning when to strike. Against a more powerful, more skilled foe, like me, you should run. Are you trying to make me mad? Because you're damned good at it. He tilted his head and squinted. Do you always get angry with those who have invested time and sweat building their craft? She struck. Not the way he taught, but the way Yika had. Lunging low, she brought up her offhand forearm to deflect his parry. Her point drove at his gut. And then she was off her feet, Jean behind her, and his blade to her throat. He sawed it back and forth, hard enough to burn, but not to cut. She gritted her teeth and swallowed her curses. She couldn't blame him for being so good. Are you sure you're at least sixteen? He said. You fight like you're six. But he was laughing. He released her, and they faced off again. For an hour they circled and threw taunts at each other. Kyla was wrapped up so many times she simply started nodding and saying, Yep. He would release her, and they'd try again. Her blade never once touched his body. She tried throwing it at him again, an end-over-end -end blur aimed at his forehead. He deflected the blade, and it flew off into the bushes at the fringe of their sparring ground. Not satisfied with this, he moved through a series of mesmerizing lunges and finally ended up wrapping Kyla in his arms again, his blade pressed to her throat. She didn't resist at all. She was too exhausted and bruised. Jean didn't cut her skin with his wooden blade, though she knew he could have easily gored her a hundred times over. She felt like one of the chicken bugs next liked to toy with, helpless and weak against an incomprehensible force of nature. Nax eventually killed and ate the chicken bugs. She sagged back into Jean, the fight drained out of her. The ocean breeze felt good on her skin. The curl and clash of the surf lulled her. Jean's body was too warm, but she didn't mind. He was solid, strong. He kept her upright. 
You give up? he said. At some point he'd lowered the blade from her throat. His arms no longer pinned hers quite so tightly. He turned her to face him. His smile was still there, no longer amused or taunting. It was then she realized she was trembling, and not from the exertion of the fight. His face filled her vision. She noticed for the first time a scrape on his cheek, a line of raised red, not cut enough to bleed. Did I do this? A force beyond her comprehension compelled her to reach for the wound. There was nothing Mercasine about it. She may as well have been a string puppet for her total inability to resist the impulse. He flinched at her touch. It couldn't have been from pain. The scrape was a nothing. It would fade overnight. His arms looped behind her, and suddenly his hand was in her hair, hers in his. Their lips joined softly, then urgently. A thrill like the Mercus zinged across Kyla's skin, illuminating all her senses. Jeanne pressed the kiss more firmly. Kyla had no counter, no will to attempt one. Her Mercus mask shattered. In rushed all the senses, the sounds of the far-off war of the creatures of the jungle, the susurrations of the waves on the shore and the wind through the pole-shell trees. Bugs and frogs and night-wake birds called in their infinite varieties, all seeking for something, calling into the riot of sound where no individual voice could be heard. And yet, Kyla heard them all. Jean smelled of sweat and earth. His hair was soft in Kyla's fingers, but thick as a horse's mane. Heat emanated from him, washed over her and mixed with her own. She was enveloped in an inferno, yet did not burn. Somehow, it chilled her, raising more thrills along her arms, luxuriating it, imbibing it. Her sense of balance faltered. The strength of his arms and shoulders, the softness of his mouth, the urgency with which he searched her lips, it was all a marvel, a wonder. His hands stroked the small of her back. She felt fire melting her even as chills stole her breath. A mercasine wave swirled around her, an incomprehensible blend of senses. The world came alight in blue, even though her eyes were closed. Kyla! The voice drove a blade into the moment. Their lips parted. Jean's eyes went wide, his teeth showing, not in a smile, but in the softness of unmasked desire. He looked down, toward their feet, then back to Kyla's eyes. Please, put us down. His voice was low but steady. Kyla, the rude, interrupting voice called again. She recognized it, but the name it belonged to couldn't surface in her shattered mind. She realized she'd not taken a breath in a long time. Blue light reflected in Jean's eyes. Mercasine. All around them swirled a flurry of mercus light made from sparkling bits of blue. Like a whirlwind of aquamarine stars or illuminated gems, they floated and shed their light upon them. Please, Kyla, Jean said. The sensuals will have felt you. He looked down again. Kyla did too. Their bare feet hung two spans above the ground, the grass awash in the blue glow of Kyla's mercasine swirl. Kyla! 
called the voice again. You have to get away from here. The sensuals are coming. Tiny lanterns were visible in the distance, sensuals and novitiates coming to find the source of this raging murkus flow. Kyla sensed how much power she used to keep them afloat. She would be a beacon to every Merculin on Garden Island. She didn't know how to stop it gently, so she slammed her Mercus mask into place. They fell. Knees unable to absorb the shock, Kyla tumbled atop Jean. How she wanted to lie there with him on the grass of their sparring ground. She wanted to kiss him, to let time fall away, to fill up her senses with him again. Rajan rushed up. Get up! Go! He was pulling at Kyla's elbow. She yanked free. Were you spying on us? She said, climbing to her feet. Why can't you leave me alone? I'm not your novitiate partner. I never took the oath you did. Kyla, Reginald is helping us, Jean said. And he's right. We must go. With her mask back in place, the blue swirl had vanished. Rajan's face was illuminated only by the white Mercus lights around the sparring ground. His blonde hair was white, his face whiter. Lips trembling, he tried to straighten his shoulders. Get back to the prince's ward. Stay there. I'll try to get word to you when I've figured out how to get Henley free. You? How in Kill's name will you get him free? Kyla cried. Jeanne was trying to pull her hand, trying to get her to leave before the sensuals came. She strained to get close to Rajan. What have you done so far but sulk and slink around like a kicked dog? You let them take Henley. Rajan's face went stony. His eyes flicked to the lanterns of the approaching sensuals and then to Jian, who stood close behind Kyla, still lightly tugging on her hand. I've seen enough here, he said, voice ice. I know what I need to do. I'm going to Till's tower to join as an acolyte. I'll find Henley. Rajan, you're being stupid. Don't call me stupid, he hissed. One of us has to get inside the tower. It can't be you, so it has to be me. I'll get word to you through Huff. Now go. He turned away from her and jogged toward the approaching sensuals. Kyla allowed herself to be dragged out of the Marcus lights and into darkness. <laughs>